Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. I have a very special guest this morning, Anita Sanchez. Dr. Sanchez is a woman who has been working in the transformational leadership realm for many, many years. She's an Aztec American, sorry, Aztec and Mexican American. She has been working in the uh, indigenous, with the indigenous elders for a long time and decided to bring forward the message that is so vital. Her newest book is The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Anita has been working with executives around the world to share this message, and we're going to get lots of inspiration today. Anita, welcome to Leading Conversations. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be here. It's great to have you here. Where are you today? I'm, I'm in my office in Boulder, Colorado, right in the foothills of the Rockies. So I see lots of snow and green, evergreen trees. It's beautiful. Ooh, so living in nature, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes. Great. That's awesome. It's beautiful there. So, Anita, thank you so much for being here today. We are um, excited to look at your book, The Four Sacred Gifts. And I have known you for a few years and have always been intrigued by your work. And I've always also been so uh, inspired by your commitment to your heritage. Tell us a bit about how you grew up and what your interaction with your heritage was like when you were a kid. Well, it was quite amazing. My childhood had both really rich, wonderful side and then it had a dark side. But in terms of the indigenous side, I feel like that was the part that allowed me to move through some of the difficult times as a child, dealing with um, Mm. economic poverty and also abuse. But my elders, so my grandmother, maternal grandmother, uh, was a Stecan, and she would just, everything, everything was honoring sacredness. There was nothing that was not sacred, and she taught us that from everything. And I I just was thinking of her today because it's so sunny if I could, One of the things that I got from the elders is how we're connected to everything. And I remember one day in particular, we were all little. She had us go outside, and we literally followed the sunflowers as they moved to follow the sun. Now, we weren't there the whole day, but we'd we'd be there doing it, and then we'd do something else, and we'd be back out. Now, where are they facing? And her message was, remember, this is important for leaders, for every person, every day is a new day, and just Follow the sun. Mm. That's beautiful. What a great way to teach kids a double message, right? <laughs> you know, yes. it's a, the message of what happens with the sun, because frankly, most kids aren't taught that. And also, as you say, every day is a new day. I, that's beautiful. So, you know, as I think about that and I think about how how simple of a message that is, and yet the impact that can have on a life. You know, what are some of the other things that really 
made a difference for you that you learned as a child? Well, one of them, I grew up in um, uh, being Mexican-American and Aztecan in an all-black neighborhood, and I loved that. But once every week we'd go to my grandmother's house, so that was important, but twice a year we would go to the Indian reservation to some relatives who are Osage, and I remember just loving going to their home, not only because it smelled so good, you know, the fry bread and everything else, but every afternoon my uncle would have us all gathered sitting on the floor, and he would raise his arms into this big circle, and he'd say, this is what it means to be a whole human being. And we'd all just like lean forward, just not wanting to miss a word. And he would say, to be a whole human being is to live knowing our connection to ourselves, other people, the earth and spirit. And Mm. if we do anything, yeah. So if we did anything good to the people, to ourselves, loving ourselves, loving other people, care of the earth and all the beings and spirit, then that meant we were all in balance. And then if we didn't, we weren't only hurting, for example, if I would treat you not with dignity, I would only be hurting you. I'd be hurting all the people, the earth and spirit. And he would say this every time we went. And as soon as I got to be a teenager, I was going like, these elders are kind of saying this all over in different traditions. And why do they keep repeating mm-hmm. themselves? And so, Cheryl... Um, I'm kind of repeating those everywhere, too, and I have been for 40 years working with executives, too. That's so great. So for people who don't know, um, talk about the different relatives that you had of different heritage. And I think most people believe that the, um, the, there's a linear line in the relatives. You know, you said your uncle was Osage and um, you were not. So talk about that. What does that it, look like in it does. the culture? Well, first of all, it's, very, it's, it's really fun. And it's really the way the world is. Um, so I have 121st cousins. My mom was one of 10. My dad was one of 10. So it's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. However, wow. growing up, we would, out of respect, call older people, grandmother, grandfather, aunts, uncles. So there's a certain level of respect. So it, got, it, it wasn't really until I was adult to know who really was a blood relative and who was not. But also mm. with indigenous people, when we were invited in to be with the Osage, where I learned a great deal in addition from my Aztec mm. grandmother, I did not even learn till I was an adult that I wasn't Osage. It wasn't until my mom passed away and we went to visit the mm. elders and then they informed us, we took you in. And this is the true indigenous wherever you are. They'll take you in as if you are their own because like in Lakota, Mitakeoasin, all my relations, Fundamental to what an indigenous wisdom is, is that we are all one. We're all related. So we might come in with different earth suits in different colors of red, white, you know, yellow, brown, black. And, mm-hmm. But the reality is we are all one. And that was so important to me, along with the Latino of the joy that should be there all the time. And I'm not trying to create stereotypes, but there was this wonderful love. And at the same time of all of that, was also a dark secret I was keeping of being sexually abused from the age of 4 to 13. 
Oh, so it, it's not as if, you know, darkness and lightness oftentimes are right there together. But what the good news is that the light can come through and shine the, the brightest in the darkness. And mm. those elders, those indigenous elders, Cheryl, made such a difference for me in healing in forgiving the unforgivable and being able to really unite with people and to have hope even in the midst of things not going well. Mm. So that, I think, for us as individuals, leaders of our lives, or whether we're leaders of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, those lessons from being a little girl are still just so critical to me. Just very life-giving. Very life-giving. So it's, you know, unfortunately, sexual abuse occurs in all cultures. And um, I'm curious, when you were 13, what happened so that it stopped? Yes. It was, it was a tough one because it would be enough to have to deal with um, overcoming the poverty, the abuse. But my father was murdered. At 13, oh it was gosh. in the middle of the 60s, and, um, and earlier that day, there was a fight at a local neighborhood bar where a white man and a black man had gotten in an argument. My father was a steel mill worker, and so after work, he would often go to the corner neighborhood bar and have a beer. And he went there, and he sat in the very same place where the white man and black man were having the argument. The white man returned, only saw the profile of my father, who had very dark skin, and fired two bullets and killed him on the spot. So why bring that up? One, it's a huge thing in itself. But my father was also my abuser. So Mm. it's very complicated, as you can imagine, for a 13-year-old, like, oh, my gosh, well, now the abuse stopped, but I also lost my father, uh, the father of, you know, all of us. So it was, it, it, it took a number of things to help shift to the healing because first it got very dark, like I felt responsible for it. But yes. if I could share the other piece of the story, I think it's important at 13 because what happened a week later was profound for the work that I've been doing all my life, mm. um, which was a week after his death, a white woman and a white man came to our door. I was always, by, I was 13, so I was by my mom all the time. And my mom went, and for this time, she didn't unlock the screen door. She just spoke through it, and she said yes. And I just figured it was more people bringing food. You know, when someone dies, there's lots of ways people bring condolences. And the woman mm. said, I had, are you Mrs. Sanchez? I had to meet you. She said yes. She goes, well, I'm the wife and the son of the man who murdered your husband. And I just had to come and see you. I had to let you know that my husband's a good man, and he never would have killed your husband if he knew he was Mexican and Native American. He thought he was black, and she went on and saying these things. And her 13, I thought he was 13, looked about my age, standing by him. And I just remember my mom shaking. And it was the first time I ever heard my mom really scream at someone, Mm. especially someone she didn't know, but just screaming. And she just said, stop. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're saying. You're teaching hatred to your son, and I'm going to try really hard to pray for your soul, but you get off my porch. That was a profound thing to me <laughs> uh, of, of what she was saying, 
And later that night, she gathered the six kids, the six of us from 9 to 19, sat us down and said, I want you to understand, this is critical for what's going on in our world at this time, my mom with a seventh grade education, but a lot of wisdom because that indigenous wisdom and Latinoism was in her too. She said, I want you to understand, a white man murdered your father, not the white race. Now, she opened the newspaper. Yeah, isn't that powerful? And then she showed us the picture of my father lying there on the bar floor with blood. It was a horrible scene. And she said, now, this is racism. This is when people, leaders, systems do not treat you with respect. This we've got to change. So I feel like at 13, actually, I got my charge, which would have been my, my my work in the world which is organization development, but a primary focus of my work has always been about bridging differences, having people care about each other, learn about each other, you know, the similarities and the differences, and create amazing things when we're able to include all of that. So that Mm. that may have been more than you wanted to hear about 13, but there was so much that was critical. And I guess what I want, and I think why you asked me about it too, is the for your listeners, is that even in the darkest times, even in a young child's life, let alone an adult, if we allow Paz to understand we do have connection, because all those images came back from my elders, that there Mm. is a path forward. And I'm not being namby-pamby, you know, oh, everything's rosy and sweet, and I do love positive psychology. However, you still need to go through but there's lots of support for us, and sometimes we forget that when things get really difficult. Yes. I, I absolutely am so inspired by the depth of this story and how your mother handled this. Um, you know, it, it's. I think most people would be <laughs> saying, oh, my God, how could she be that? strong, right? And it's so obvious looking from the outside in now um, that she so believed. She lived, embodied her, her beliefs. It was not separate from her. And when I think about um, sometimes people today who are some form, they, they practice some form of religion and, you know, that form of religion may say, you know, forgive and etc. And yet there is no sense of that in themselves when they are faced with tragedy. And so when I see that, I think that, you know, they're, they're seeing it as an intellectual exercise, but the embodiment is not there. And very clearly your mother embodied that this was not different from who she was and that in itself is an amazing gift. It is an amazing gift. And, and I can understand why at 13 you believed her, you know, yes, because I absolutely that was who did. she was. It absolutely was. It, it is so true. And that's not to, I don't want to either romanticize either, you know, indigenous people and embodying no. that because it doesn't mean you don't have difficult times moving through, but you can't, I find at this point, there is absolutely nothing that is unforgivable. Now, and I work all over the world and so more torn mm. places and companies have laid off half the people because of, you know, what's going on, all sorts of things. Yeah. And they're just sort of like, 
And so part of it is having compassion for yourself, but also compassion and be there to listen to others. Because sometimes the process can be very fast to move to forgiving and especially the unforgivable. And sometimes it can take, take some time. But when you really are living, as you said right on, Cheryl, living your beliefs, that's why it's so important for us to get quiet, you know, to really mm. see what are, what are our beliefs, what are our assumptions, how are we moving forward. When they're out of alignment, then you can bring them right back in. And I think my mom was a very good example of that. Very mm. good about coming back into that place. And so now we see, you know, in different parts of the world, not only in the United States, but I'm working in other parts of the world, where, you know, somebody is tragically, could be race-related or gender-related, somebody is even murdered or killed in public, whatever. And then you have the parents step forward and say, I forgive them. And people are like, mm. wow, how did they do that? Now, yes. they, because they knew, because it's what you were talking about. They embody that belief, yes. that we're, we, we, we need to let go of that because that's part of our freedom to let go of that. It does mm. not mean, if I can say a little bit, forgiveness does not mean that you forget. It doesn't yes. mean that you see, don't seek justice. You know, it doesn't mean you're weak. It, you move forward, but you don't do it with the weight, the anger, the angst, the revenge, the, all the stuff that actually eats you up and rarely yes. does very much to the other. It does contaminate mm-hmm. everyone around you. So it's such mm-hmm. an important thing for all of us in leading our lives or leading organizations or teams or whatever is to forgive and my mom mm-hmm. was just such a perfect example of that. So thank you for reading my so book great. and for really, that I think is a, one of the really core, core stories and the power of indigenous yes. wisdom. So we have much more to talk about with Dr. Anita Sanchez when we come right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Dr. Anita Sanchez, the author of The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Anita, we've been talking about some of your background as a child and how you were influenced uh, throughout your life by the beliefs and the behavior of your mother and your relatives and um, the love you felt and the lessons you learned all along the way. Um, so you, in your book, you talk about several elders that really influenced your life and the culture. And one of the uh, elders you talked about, a Mohican elder, Don Coyas, talks about the sacred gifts and talks about the, um, what is it? The, tell me again. I just blanked on the name of the hoop. What is the hoop? Yes, it's the, the sacred eagle hoop. Yes. Thank you. The sacred yes. eagle hoop. Yes. And so what is that? And tell us about what makes that important. It's very important. Elders, indigenous people in part live by prophecy. There's calling, really listening and paying attention to the earth, to spirit, to yourself, to each other. So there was a call that happened in the 1994 for elders to come from around the world, from different traditions. And um, they came together because what was being told to them that it was time for the people from the four different directions, from the four different races, to come together with their medicine with their knowing of original instruction of how we are to be one. And so that weekend, they came together, which was initially started by a vision by this man, this elder Don Coyas, who's the founder of White Bison, who does lots of healing, traveling through different, different tribes all over the, uh, North America. And at that time, I was inter- um, actually volunteering with, indigenous youth, and it was a low point for me. So I think part of the story mm. is just how important that, again, when we're, when we're in a really good state, it's great, but actually when you're at your low point, lots of things come to you. Just keep your heart open. And so I was becoming mm. hopeless about how are we ever going to get women moving up in companies. At that point, I was 17 mm. years. I was worried, you know, people of color and all over the world and people judging. I was just like, maybe I shouldn't do this. So I went to volunteer and I got to be, in 1995 in the spring, in the presence of this hoop. If you can imagine a piece of birch, a hoop with a 100 eagle feathers, 
hanging down from mm. it. And at that weekend with 27 elders from around the world, from as far away as Finland, the Sami of the White Direction, to different parts of Africa who brought the water ceremony, to all across mm. the Americas who brought other ceremony, from Tibet, they prayed, danced, chanted, sang, and put in four gifts for all humanity, not just indigenous people, for all humanity, that spirit told them, live these four gifts and you will remember how to be in right relationship with the people, earth, and spirit. And so those four gifts, I assume you want me to say what those four gifts are. Because yes, that'd be great. Yeah. I know, there is no secret. I have been using those with uh, leaders all over the world for 22 years. They've mm. actually just catapulted my life. Um, so the four gifts are the power to forgive the unforgivable. Just allow that to go in. The power to forgive the unforgivable. And so many things come up for people. The second gift mm. is the power of unity. You know, unity will take all of us to make the world a world where all of us can thrive. And not just the two-legged human beings, but for all of life. Then the third gift is a wonderful gift. The gift of healing. We get to heal over and over and over again on all different kinds of things as they come up. And then the fourth gift, I love the gift, is the gift of hope in action. Mm. And those four gifts they put in there, and I'll tell you, since, you know, in using them, it just struck me when I came in there with my doubt and what am I doing, diversity and inclusion work, let me do the other things, mergers, acquisitions, everything seems simpler than Mm. helping people work together across their differences when they have biases and different belief systems. But what happened is it just opened me up because they work. And to this day, I am calling on those gifts every day, and I bring them Mm. with my work to people everywhere around the world. So, so, you know, the the second gift, um, the power of unity... Certainly, we could use a big dose of all of these right now um, in, around the world. I'm wondering how people get there. You know, how there's so much divisiveness around the world. There's so much fear of um, joining, you know, different cultures, of bringing them together together. People are afraid of losing power. People are afraid of not being able to maintain their own culture. What, how do we do this in modern times? Well, as what I was taught from indigenous folks, and actually science backs that up, modern science, but definitely from indigenous elders, is that we start from the inside out. So it doesn't exclude mm. the outside in, but you start from the inside out. And so where I work with myself and myself and other people is that look at all the different parts of you. And I'm, I'm talking about reflective inside, all the different parts. And then what are those parts that you really are so can embrace and love? And then what are those mm. parts that you're like, oh, I don't, that, well, that's, you know. Um, so I think part of the work is acknowledging that we're not one thing. They're all different aspects of who we are. And do we have mm. self-love and compassion for ourselves? And can we bring into alignment our spiritual, psychological, emotional, mental, and physical selves? 
that's when we're good medicine to ourselves and each other. And so in unity, mm-hmm. if we begin listening to ourselves, you're going to hear throughout everything, all the gifts, listening is a fundamental thing to indigenous people. I mean, we're the first scientists. Mm-hmm. We listen to ourselves. We listen to nature. We listen to the animals. We listen to the water. Everything requires listening because how can you know when something is working or not working? So to be in unity, yes. what you'll find is that, oh, my gosh, I, I can be clearer. I can be present when things are in alignment, mm-hmm. which means I'm mm-hmm. to others. That means I can join with them. So we keep talking in companies like, about engagement, and now we're talking about mm. employee um, experience. That's all really important, but core to that is being together in unity. To do that means we need to listen to ourselves and listen to others. Mm. And so I, I'm right with you on the engagement thing. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it, it's a bit... Um, uh, disconcerting that this has become a measurement, literally a number um, from a survey done around the organizations. Um, you know, how engaged are your employees and, you know, specific questions that are asked to, to assess that. And then, you know, a number comes out and if it is lower than they want, then they say, okay, you've got to engage your employees more, and if you don't, you know, it's going to be a dark mark against your performance. And, I mean, this is craziness, because Mm -hmm. they do not teach people what real engagement means. They do not teach people um, that the listening um, philosophy and principle and what that really means and so, you know, you know, I mean, I've, I, like you, have seen this all around the world in different organizations for a long, long time. And every once in a while, there will be a leader who really understands it, who really embraces it. And they are loved by their employees or their department or their division. They... Um, are rarely uh, viewed as highly productive and highly ambitious by a lot of the rest of the organization um, because they are willing to take the time. And in a lot of our organizations these days, time is not something that they believe they have. They're always looking toward the um, success and the profit. And um, there are some leaders who really understand how to get to profit by your employees being happy and valued and allowing them to be empowered to make a difference. And there are many who um, are simply being rated. You know, their jobs depend on the numbers. So this is, this is a tough shift to make in our culture. I believe that business is really a key to making this shift because it influences so many people at one time, you know. And mm-hmm. if people view business as their livelihood, um, you know, it's the way they support their families. It's the way they um, define who they are in the world. Let's face it, that happens. And business is so, it can hugely affect 
the difference. And if they can, if the companies, if the individuals, if the CEOs can really embrace this and then um, let it ripple out into their organization, we could change the world very quickly. Very I'm with quickly. you, Cheryl. I am absolutely with you. And this is where people sometimes go, indigenous wisdom and modern business? What is that? Well, that's because <laughs> because it's the core coming back to that we're starting to see more and more conscious business leaders, uh, conscious mm. capitalism, conscious organiz- entrepreneurs, all different. In, in big corporations, you'll see pockets where people are showing we're getting the profits. We're not only getting the profits, we're yeah. going beyond by treating people with dignity, with uniting together. You know, like it, mm. growing up, what I was taught, we took a stick and then try to bake the stick. And even as a little kid, you might struggle a little bit. You could break a, a thin stick, a twig. And then mm-hmm. my uncle would bundle up a bunch of twigs and, say, and tie them together. He'd go, now break them, break them, break them. And he couldn't. And it, mm. again, seems so simple. But if we look at that as leaders in our organizations or mm. in our families or communities, that when we can unite together, um, you know, that w- we can get so much further on what we want to do and that we're seeing the profits. If I could tell a quick story, this is a wonderful story. Uh, a handful yeah. of years ago, I was in a high-tech company, um, and they were, they were doing good, um, and they, but, the, but it was a flat market, and they knew that they needed to, the culture needed to be about igniting leaders at all different levels. And so in this, actually, I can name them because it's public. This was Hewlett Packard's mm-hmm. ink print group. And mm-hmm. they were just um, mm-hmm. amazing. Back in 2000, they, they still are amazing. They're doing great. In 2005, 2006, I worked with them, and we used appreciative, a positive psychology. These stories yeah. were part of the work. And what the bottom line happened, people were transformed, and they went from $25 billion to $29 billion in a flat market in a little over a year. That. Mm-hmm. Gives you the results. And it was from caring for their people. Their people were ignited everywhere. They believed in each other. They were hooking up. Sales were happening much faster. That's amazing. That's a great story. What was the um, impetus to make the change? Well, because they could see that eventually that, that ink was going to be becoming a commodity. And so they mm. knew we can't just, yes, we have to keep with the technology, but it's about the people who both create the new technology, but also go out and create the relationships with their diverse customers. So that impetus mm. was like, we need to ignite it, not just in the C-suite. We got, this has to go all the way down from the new hire right the way through. And so all of the world we put on these appreciative inquiry summits focused on igniting leadership at every level. And it just was, it was unbelievable. A lot of the things we knew it would be good because when people focus on all together, uniting on what they want to create, rather than funneling down on a problem, I'm not being polyandrous, sometimes you have to look at the problem, but it's where the, most of your energy should be going on what we want to create. And that's mm. a mindset too. That's a way of believing and being in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'm, I want to go back to the concept of self-love. Um, mm. That is something that uh, it seems to have been lost. I mean, the fact that we have to be working on this so much with individuals around the world, um, you know, 
you have any sense of where this went dry? You know, were, were we always that way as humans on the planet? Um, do you have any thought about that? What I see and what I hear from the elders, and again, I'm just thinking, I was just with elders from South Africa, Russia, um, Australia, and, th- and we were all sharing what they were experiencing in ceremony, and you're, you're targeting right on it, is that there became, again, there's this illusion of separateness. We've separated our brains from our hearts. Mm-hmm. We've separated ourselves from each other and our family. You know, all the things where we used to have community, they're becoming very separate. In the workplace, we say, oh, there's a problem in this department, but we never look at how it's all connected so people can mm-hmm. see how important everything is. So and when we talk about soft love, it's this illusion of separateness, and that includes separateness mm-hmm. from ourselves. And so to regain that requires, I believe we have to put, uh, I'm just going to head say it. I actually said this at Google last summer at Singularity University. I said, we can't Google wisdom. <laughs> that Cheryl caused a little <laughs> bit of a pause. And then they all laughed. They go, I said, yeah, Google it, and you'll get a library definition. But that's not wisdom. Yes. We need to put yes. down our cell phones, our smartphones, not give them away. I'm not giving mine up. These valuable, valuable, what it's doing for us. Right, right. But get quiet and go inside. Yeah. See what, what hook things up. The more we can love ourselves, the more we can give to others. We can't give what we don't have. Some of us think we yes. do, but no, we're depleting. We're depleting ourselves. We're not. And so the more we can do that, that self-care, and it's not selfish, it's not, it's, you know, give to yourself so you can give to others. I vision this. Yes. So my grandmother used to do this. She used to make us this beautiful tea with cinnamon. And sometimes there were so many of us, like, was there going to be enough? But she'd always spill, and sometimes we'd spill into the saucer. And so she would always, she would look, and there was always somebody short of tea. And she would have mm-hmm. us take our saucer and pour into the other's cup. And we, oh. our cup was still filled. Get that? That's so when great. we give it. to others, give from the overflowing cup. Do not, mm. it's not about martyrdom. No, fill yourself up so that you can be compassionate, loving, caring, in gratitude, able to clarity to make decisions, all of that. But give from the saucer and continue to fill your cup so that you can be, as my elder talked about it, we are meant to be, it's our natural state, to be life-giving force to ourselves as well as a life-giving force to all other beings. That is so beautiful. Anita, we're going to take a break, and we'll come right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. When's the last time you shopped at a mall? 
How will we do our holiday shopping or even buy toilet paper in 10 years? Listen for ShopCast, talking retail strategy. We'll explore the massive changes happening in retail. Join retail expert Michael Dart and his guests who help you understand these dramatic shifts and predict what the retail landscape of tomorrow will look like. If you're interested in the future of retail, tune in on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Do you sometimes wish you had an advisory board to help you reflect on your career performance and become a better professional? Now you have that advisory board. Tune in for The Well-Heeled Professional with host Marta Alfonso. Each week, we speak with successful professionals that share their hands-on, real-world knowledge and reflections on critical elements of a successful career. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Dr. Anita Sanchez, the author of The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. So, Anita, we've talked about um, two of the four sacred gifts. The third gift is the power of healing. Talk a bit about that. Well, healing is a wonderful thing. And people are like, wow, I get so excited about healing. And people kind of laugh at me. I said, what a wonderful gift because there are things that happen to us. There's small little hurts and mistreatments. There's big ones, you know, and that we get to heal over and over again. We get to use that gift. And in studying the elders from around the world, there's no way I can can know all the different medicine and the healing that Mm. traditions that are there. However, what I discovered is there were four basic elements that appears to be present in most of the healing situations. So mm-hmm. those four elements are first listening, second, supportive relationships around you. And that doesn't have to necessarily be just people. It can be nature. Unconditional mm-hmm. love. And the fourth thing is committing to create some creative, some kind of positive action. So what I found in mm-hmm. the healing process whether it was a talking circle, a fire ceremony, uh, dancing, chant, all, all the different ways or, you know, really deep dives into unblocking things, is that these elements were present, which just makes me really happy that, you know, we, we get to use them every day. Mm. So talk a bit more about the creating a positive action. I think a lot of people um, view it as ceremony and ritual, and most people don't even have 
much of that in their life. So what would somebody who's not familiar with that be able to do? Well, the, the thing is, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of ceremony is gone for many of us. But a ceremony can be as simple as sitting down and having a cup of tea. Mm. It can be going outside by a tree and just smiling or taking a deep breath of air. I see people in companies, I often say, go outside, walk around the block when it gets to be too mm-hmm. much. And it changes things, right? So, yes. But it's being in action. It's like the GPS does not work unless you move. People are like, well, where am I supposed to go? Well, what have you tried? You've got to get in action, right? So I always call it positive acts. Think about what will be of service to you or to others. And sometimes really the healing process is to step away from ourselves and be of service to someone else. Sometimes when we do that, what I found, just as when I, you know, the inspiration for this book back in the 90s, was I was all crazy about what was going on in my life and it wasn't working and how could I, you know, maybe I should change my field and all this stuff. And by being a volunteer to these young indigenous people who were going to be entering companies later in their life, I got a bigger gift than ever. So it's about Mm. being in action. Just take a move. Mm. And sometimes we get too nervous, like, oh, we get paralyzed because, oh, we might make the wrong move or risky. Just little steps. I'm not talking about jumping off a cliff. Just a little step, something to move Mm. forward. That's Mm. really critical in the healing. I love that. You know, I think that um, sometimes when people are in that stage of healing, um, even if it's a small hurt, you know, the tendency is to retreat. The tendency is to not seek help. The tendency is to not reach out into relationships or supportive relationships that we have. And the idea that um, a supportive relationship can be nature you know, so even someone whose tendency is, I don't want to let people know that I'm hurting, um, can do something like that for themselves. And then it may, you know, make them more comfortable in reaching out to some of the people in their lives. I think you just yeah, na- nailed it, Cheryl. That is so important. For me and my personal experience, I mean, I, I, I had to learn to trust people because I also had this big yeah. hurt. I had good stuff and bad right. stuff. And so... When you go out in nature, most of us have lied to ourselves or had other people lie to us. But how many of you had a tree lie to you or a river or the grass that you're standing on, right? So, yeah, I'm glad you laughed because we should. But yet we are connected. We're part of all these things. We know that from biology, from physics. And so we go and get wherever, and then it allows you to begin to start to trust, to open up to other areas. And we all get to decide how many and who and where and when. You all know the right time. When you're being in that process, because healing alone is already a self-love process too. I am worthy mm. of being whole and healthy. That's, that's a self-love process. I love that. That's beautiful. So let's talk about the power of hope. There seems to be uh, a dearth of hope these days. So <laughs> what, what, tell us about hope. Mm-hmm. Well, hope is so amazing, and you're right. People are like, oh, uh, people become cynical about it, or they see yeah. the news, the paper, everything. But I want to tell you something, and this is something I know so clearly. Hope is a choice. Mm. You can be in the darkest situations. 
in the worst scenarios in an organization, in the worst scenarios in terms of wars and countries, and I've gone to places and I've seen why are some of these people are still looking to what they can create and still hopeful, and others are like spiraling yeah. downward and no. And there are several practices that they do is that they have chosen hope and they spend some time every day, just even seconds, multiple times a day, being grateful for something. Like, I'm grateful I'm talking to you. I'm grateful I'm breathing. Thank you. My <laughs> legs work, you know? And some people, yeah. we take some of the things that are, actually, if you didn't have them, it changes the quality of your life immensely. Being grateful yeah. for what we have, then you start seeing that, oh, okay, the cup isn't, you know, isn't empty. The other mm-hmm. thing I want to say is dream. I can't believe how many times I go into place I'm working with people and organizations and and I'll say the dream word and people oh we don't use that word here. We use video yeah. content, but we don't do we don't dream and I'm like, oh my gosh, do you know all these great inventions all over the world from every different race and group of people? Most of those came out of dreams and they were sleeping, you know, yeah. uh, daydreaming, imagining what's possible, and then they got to work and you know, try this, try that. But that dreaming state is important. So before you go to bed, it's usually easy to dream when you're going to go to sleep, right? So before you go to sleep, just ask, allow me to dream. And it may not happen right away, Mm. but what you'll find eventually is that in that space where our minds are crazy minds that I love because we don't want to get rid of them. We need the minds. (laughs) They get out of the way, and all of a sudden we begin to see that what looks so desperate and dark is really illusion, it's more illusion of separateness that we cannot see the joy, mm. the possibilities. You know, I hear people say um, when, when we're talking about, you know, what's possible, and they'll say, well, I hope so, but I just don't really, you know, see that it's possible. And I think to myself, well, then you're not really hoping. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're making it an intellectual exercise of, um, you know, kind of some sort of critical analysis. And so how do people get past that? Because that has become a real habit in cultures around the world. Well, that's the danger of doubt. That's one of the, the deadly things mm. to hope is that, it breeds a lot of uncertainty, risk, or I can't go there. Mainly it's because out of fear, they don't want to hope anymore because, oh my gosh, I might be hurt again. It may not happen. Yes. But when we also, all around the world, and I know organizations try to stay away from religion, and I, I tend to stay away from that, mm, but spirituality yeah. is a different thing. And that Correct. we know enough about our spirit and how our body works and even our mind and imagery that it works with, that those positive images, the possibilities, the dreams that children do all the time, that as adults we need to, to do more and more and more, then from that becomes a pull to create those. So part of it is to acknowledge, yes, guess what? It's a dark time. I'm a bit doubtful. Okay, that's fine. I like image it in my left hand. And guess what? darkness, hopelessness, just come along with me because I'm going with my right hand right now and we're going to go to this image that I'm starting to have. I'm going to find <laughs> other people who have it. So, I mean, I, I love I, that. I, yeah, just find different ways that people have, have to, to allow still that light, the possibility to emerge. You know, and some people immediately can go there because they'll, they have a belief in something greater than them. And remember the hoop of my elder. To be a whole human being is to be in right relationship with people, earth, and spirit. 
And so I think there are some things that aren't always tangible. We don't know from our different senses, but we have a different way of knowing it. And allowing that, we have this other spirit, spirit energy. You can use physics saying we're all energy. I don't care how you go at it over it's Allah, God, universe energy, whatever you want to call it. But this is part of being a whole human being. When we tap into that, oh my gosh, it just opens up all sorts of things. Mm. Um, I dress all the time as a child, and that certainly helps. Go ahead, Sean. I am fascinated by all this, and I am, um, it gives me hope. <laughs> Good. You get to choose hope. full of hope. Uh, you know, I believe in the goodness of people, and I always have. And if I didn't, I couldn't do the work I do. And I know that you are the same. And, you know, if more and more people... You know, little by little, if, you know, we, we begin to create um, a groundswell of belief and living this, um, we'll reach it. And hu- humankind may um, make the shift. Um, so we just have a minute left. What is your hope for humanity, Anita? My hope for humanity is that we realize that we are never alone. That's an illusion. That we mm. are indeed all connected. And we can be good medicine to each other. That, that is my hope. Mm. And it's already happening. It's happening. We just need to make more of it happen. I love that. We can be good medicine to each other. Anita Sanchez, you've been very good medicine to us today. Um, so people want to know more about you and how they can reach you. What is that? Yes. Well, there's two ways. Uh, I know you should only give one. Forsacredgifts.com, F-O-U-R, sacredgifts.com. You can learn more about my book and about my work. Or if you're not as interested in that, the book, you can go to SanchezTennis.com and you can learn more about the other things that I've talked about too. But um, go to Forsacredgifts.com because you can also sign up and get a free, I will not give away your email and stuff, but you can get a free song that is, explores a lot of things that Cheryl and I just, you and I just talked about. And I think they'll love the song. That's fantastic. That's quite a gift. Anita, thank you so much for being with us today. Anita Sanchez, the book is for The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Thank you so much, Anita. It's been a privilege to have you here. Thank you. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.